What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, voice cracking time. Just going to go ahead and leave it in time. What's the worst that could happen time? We got a lot to talk about in this mailbag time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vaults 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this late on a Wednesday night, but we'll be dropping it, uh, I guess, early on a Thursday morning, so happy Thursday morning, or afternoon, or evening, or Friday, or Saturday, or whatever day it happens to be, whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is, we appreciate that you're spending part of it with us here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. How you doing? Hope you're doing great. Hope everything in your life is going the way that it should be going. Let's go uh, across town here. We're, we're doing another three-way podcast here. We're going to go to a mailbag, and we're going to open it up and have all kinds of fun. Uh, so to do that, uh, let's go across town to that undisclosed location. Get to Patrick Brown. Let's go to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we doing this evening slash morning? Well, doing great. Uh, it, Wes, you'll be happy to know that uh, on, on the season preview that Ryan and I did on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, I think it was last week, someone, uh, one of the questions in the chat was something about learning more about my undisclosed location. Yes. Because you can actually see part of my house it's in the background on. of the video. It's if, you haven't, if you haven't seen that, go check it out. It was a good time. Because yeah. some good questions. It it uh, is on 24-7 Sports YouTube page. It is, uh, and you can see uh, Patrick has a beautiful bookshelf set up. He, he's he's totally ready for network I, like cable TV. Yeah, <laughs> I got to give my father-in-law credit. He built those uh, in his uh, wood shop basement. Um, came and installed them because that wall used to be just blank. That is That's nice. not my office. For you're, the record. you're 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 well ahead of of the rest of us because we're all supposed to get our our stuff up to snuff for that because. Of all the awesome video stuff that we have coming at, at CBS Sports twenty four. Well, we can't Sports, we can't all look like uh, we're all hosting American Bandstand. This is a temporary Casey thing. Kasem. It's gonna Casey Kasem's top forty. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be better. If right now it is just me. It's just a ridiculous setup that I was temporary and was supposed to be temporary, and it has sort of become uh, quasi permanent because we had a child, and now we no longer have time. Of course, y'all know all. About that, uh, y'all have more than I do. Ryan, you probably want to so, keep it that. I was to say you probably want to keep it that way. I mean, I I, I love all my children, but uh, unless you want your life to be total chaos, I don't know if you want three kids. Yeah, doesn't sound like you love all your children. <laughs> I love I love well, them. I love them all. I like some of them. You know, they're, they're they're fantastic. They're just times, as any parent will tell you, that you want them to stop what they're doing to say the least (laughs) that's a a fair and polite way to put it guys this is a um we've been promising that we were going to do more mailbag episodes we usually get really good feedback when we do them and and we have not done enough of them recently so we are going to adjust that we are going to fix that this is going to be purely a mailbag edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast with with questions sometimes we open it up to social media and to the board this time we we kept it just to people on go vols 24 7's checkerboard uh, but we had a thread throughout the day on our board there on the checkerboard on wednesday and uh, let people ask in some questions and i don't know have y'all looked 
at any of these because I have yes. not, which is not smart. Okay, good. I'm glad one of you did because I, I was going to say I've not edited the thread because I intentionally wanted to not look at the questions, but we could have had like, you know, 1,300 posts of people calling each other a-holes and I would not have seen it. So that was probably not smart. Uh, I, I have glanced at them. Uh, I, I did not uh, try to study up for all of them, but yes, I, I've seen them. Like but uh, it, I was just going to say it's a, it's a great time to be doing this because, guys, we're two weeks away from game day. Yeah, two it is. weeks away from today, we will be getting ready for Tennessee and Ball State. Yes, it, it, it's 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 interesting um, because it just happens so quickly. You know, because Tennessee's got a couple of days head start on most people. Uh, because of of the game being a couple of days earlier than than most openers this year, but it, it, it's kind of kind of crazy how how it's already they've had both their major scrimmages for preseason camp. They they've gotten through that part of it. School starts really soon. The the games start really soon. I mean it's it's crazy, guys. It is here. We're going to get to the questions. If you could see Pat's wonderful setup right now, you would see him trying to hurry me up when I'm trying to say Pat. We're we're trying to to welcome people into the podcast before we get to the questions. Patrick is a living and breathing wrap it up sign. He is just an angry, angry man tonight. There's, I don't, I don't there's that Bill Belichick gif where he's like yeah. telling him to hurry up. That's me. Like when y'all, when we start, I don't want to say y'all because I do it too. When y'all are, when we're, when we're taking too long, it's like, let's go. Fine. Then nobody, can, fine. nobody can see me, but fine. Enough with the, the foreplay. Out there. Enough with the foreplay. Right, right to, right to the questions. Uh, we'll go to first to Shelbyville Vol here. Uh, you can only pick one, guys. Who has been the biggest surprise of camp? Likewise, who's been the biggest disappointment of camp? Uh, biggest surprise for me would either be Tamarian McDonald or Walker Merrill. And uh, since I'm a proud Memphian, um, and uh, McDonald has not really done much his first couple years. Uh, I guess he did start a game as a freshman. I'll, I'll go with him. I did not see him being uh, – it looks like he's going to be the starter at star at this point. I thought that would certainly – be a job that uh, Wesley Walker would end up taking, and he still might over the course of the season. But uh, with Walker a little banged up this week, it looks like McDonald is, is going to be the guy there because, uh, as we've seen a lot in this camp, if a guy's hurt, banged up, whatever, that opens the door for someone else to come in. Um, the disappointment, and it's not really saying anything about him, uh, I, I, it would have been nice to see Jalen Wright a little bit more yep. full go because uh, he's a guy that looks like he had a really, really good offseason. Uh, in the weight room, looks like a guy that's really changed his body. Um, I think as we touched on in the last podcast, he was on, on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, some of the numbers he had, hitting 23 miles an hour, some of his jumps, uh, and some of the testing that they did was pretty freakish. That's why he was on the list. And uh, he's just not really – he's starting to work his way back slowly, but I think that's a guy that's been unfortunate that he's uh, not been able to, to really get out there and, and do what he, I'm sure, wants to do. But – as I said before, I think they need to be very cautious with him just because, you know, they're going to need him more in September and October and, and beyond than, than they do in August. Yeah, Patrick kind of, since he took two, he kind of took where, where I was no, going. No, I, I took McDonald. I took McDonald. <laughs> oh, okay. This. Well, I, I was going to say, I, 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 McDonald was my first thought because I – I'm not shocked. You know, like I said before, I didn't go into camp thinking Walker Merrill would play a big role on this team or be in position to do that, but I'm not shocked by that one. I'm genuinely surprised that we're talking about Tamari McDonald maybe being Tennessee's opening day starter at the star position, uh, or at least that's a very strong possibility. Uh, Wesley Walker, if, you, if you're wondering, has just been banged up the past few days, so I don't think that's a, 
an indication of uh, of any long term concern, but uh, just a, a short term injury. He should be back. I would I would think sometime next week at the latest. So uh, he should be fine and available for the season opener. But even if he is uh, out out for you know, uh, or even if he's back, I, I think there's it's looking like at least to open the season that is going to be a timeshare, uh, regardless of who gets the start. I think both of those guys are going to play a lot in the opener and, and probably for the first couple games, unless, uh, unless McDonald really struggles. So I, I think that is, that, that is an impressive off season clearly for, for, for McDonald. And, and he, he made the most of being out there during spring practice when a lot of people weren't. And, uh, and, and obviously has uh, put himself in position to play a lot. And then uh, on the disappointment side, I have to preface this with, since I'm actually going to pick a player based on maybe a little bit performance, we have to just sort of go by what we hear on this because we really don't see enough of anything to say that someone's a disappointment. But just based on where he appears to be in the pecking order right now, and maybe this could change still between now and the opener, but I would go with Brandon Turnage. Um, I'm a little surprised that he's maybe a little bit less of a factor in the competition at cornerback than I thought he would. Kamal Haddon is the name that we continue to hear. It's, I think, a guy Tennessee wants to start uh, as long as he's physically able and he's back out there now, so I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. So I think between Haddon, Warren Burrell, and, and Christian Charles, those are your three main contenders to be starters in the season opener. And I, and I thought Brandon Turnage had a real shot a couple months ago. Now, he missed a lot of time this offseason, so that didn't help him, but a little bit disappointed that we're not hearing a little more buzz about him as, as a factor at cornerback because this is obviously, obviously a big year for him. I was going to say Tamir McDonald for the, the most pleasant surprise. So uh, since that one's taken, I'll go ahead and say Dominic Bailey, uh, defensive line. I, I did not see uh, him stepping up to make himself a sort of a, a factor maybe in that rotation. Uh, that's that's kind of a name that I don't want to say I dismissed, but a name that, that I had I had not thought much about throughout the offseason. And then, lo and behold, he kept working, and now he might be in Tennessee's rotation as a as a third-year sophomore with, with plenty of upside and plenty of time left to develop. So that that's that one. Uh, for disappointment, this is probably stretching back as much to the summer as it is to camp, um, you know, but I, I would go ahead and say – uh, it's probably for me going to be Jimmy Callaway. Uh, he, he's a guy who I, I think um, probably he has so much talent. And when you see a kid who has that much talent and you th- he's just not being consistent with it, it's one thing if you're a, a bust as a player because you had an injury or maybe you, you just were you, you bloomed too early in high school and you never physically developed and you were just never going to be a star or something. It's another thing if you're just kind of getting in your own way and he's kind of just getting in his own way a little bit. And you, you can just see all the guys in the Tennessee program who have uh, – you hear it from so many – when Hypo and these guys talk about players, when they talk about the guys who have really gotten their attention in the offseason, the guys who have improved, it's the guys who put in the time in order to do it. And, and you know, Walker Merrill, the list goes on about guys who, have, when they commit themselves to the cause, really, they, Jalen Hyde, they, they start to improve. And so it's time for Callaway to start doing that because he's a kid who has a lot of talent and it would be a shame to see that wasted. Those would be what? my picks. What, one other name, just because none of us mentioned him, I think honorable mention has to go to Dylan Sampson, just because I'm not yeah. surprised he's looked pretty good in camp, but I, I'd be lying if I thought we'd be talking this much about him. And, and that he, I mean, I think with the time Jalen Wright has missed, he's got a chance to open the season as Tennessee's number two running back in that game, depending does, on how much they but decide. Wright, but Wright also looks really, really good physically if he can get healthy. He, he does. I, I just wonder how much, and I think he's the number two for all intents and purposes, but I just wonder how much contact work, if any, he's going to get before the season opener. And if that's the case, do they kind of ease him back in and let Sampson handle more of the workload against Ball State in a game where they're 
you know, really not expected to be pushed, obviously, in that game. Next question from SYS Vol. Uh, what do you think Tennessee's plan is at center if uh, if Cooper should happen to miss more time during the course of the season? I hate seeing Jerome Carvin slide right only because of what he provides at guard. Well, unfortunately, SYS Vol, um, you're, you're going to probably see that if that happens because uh, Jerome Carvin is the backup center for all intents and purposes. Yes. Big question to me is, is who would be the next guy off the bench at the interior spots? Uh, and it only took three series last season to find out who that was. And much to everyone's surprise, it was Ollie Lane. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be him again. Maybe Dane uh, Davis, he, he's maybe? Been, uh, they've worked Dane a little bit uh, at guard. And Addison Nichols is a guy that's also gotten some work at guard. Uh, I Lane, think, is, I think... Lane, Lane is the guy who is behind Carvin. Uh, he's he's the second team left guard. So, but that may not mean he's Tennessee's third, you know, third best guard, so to speak. So, um, that that would be the question. That's not that's something I I don't have a good grasp of at this stage. Also honest. don't also don't know how much the swing tackle whoever is not the starter might factor into that. You know, is there a situation where maybe the the, the the other left tackle, whoever's not playing at that time, Gerald Mincy or, or Jeremiah Crawford comes in and they shuffle guys around that way. You know, I, it's, a, it's an interesting we'll, – we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, Ollie Lane's the one that you would go with based uh, – who's the next one in based on, uh, you know, what we have what we've know from last year and everything. But, yeah, a couple couple new wrinkles in that equation. And, and I, I was just going to add, I, I think Addison Nichols is going to play a, uh, at least a good bit this year. You know, I don't know that it's going to be every game that you're going to see him out there, but I think he's – He's the freshman who seems to be most ready to make a contribution. I think they're you've been seeing him get some work at guard lately. I think they're trying to get him ready to to play. So uh, so whether that's just some, some you know reserve time uh, and blowouts and things like that, I, I think he's going to get some action this year for sure. I just hope that it's Ollie Lane because I want to see more videos like the one with him chasing Tyon Evans for the touchdown at Mizzou last year, where he took like four or five steps and he was like, "I'm going to run." And ch-. No, I'm not. And he just kind of stopped and was like, "I'm going to let that guy run." There's no way I'm catching him. I'll walk to the end zone and catch him there. Uh, next question here's from Simpson Vol on the checkerboard at Go Balls twenty four seven said, "Now that y'all have seen this staff for over a year." Which assistant has improved his stock the most in your eyes? Uh, I'd go Alex Golish because I think he has a lot more involvement in Tennessee's offense than some people seem to think in terms of calling the plays. And he's a really sharp guy. And Be a head coach soon, uh, I think. Right. Um, so I, I would probably say him. He, he looks like the guy that, that could be, like you said, Wes, I think he has a head coach in a, in a couple of years. Within the next couple of years, I, I think that's his trajectory at this point. My my first instinct is to go with the new guy, Kelsey Pope, but uh, I, I don't know that I, that's a fair answer because he I don't I just, he's newest and you know people and anytime a, a guy who's a, a first time assistant at this level looks like he's off to an okay start, you know it's it's easy to say that they're you know surprisingly good because no one really has much in the way of expectations with people like that getting a getting their first big chance. So. I'll, I'll go with Glenn Ellerby. Um, I, I think to me he is, and, and it's interesting too, probably to a lot of people because I, you know, if you follow recruiting that closely, I, I, I've gotten questions from people that that think Glenn Ellerby should be getting some flack for Tennessee losing some a couple of battles on the offensive line, but they've lost battles at other positions too, and I, I think Ellerby's done a solid job. But to me, he's the one I knew the least about uh, in a lot of ways when he got to Tennessee uh, uh, from this staff, and wasn't sure, you know, just how good he would be as a position coach. And that's a, that's a position, too, where 
you're usually not getting someone who is a just an all-world recruiter at that position, and you're not always worried about that. You're not worried about someone at that position necessarily being your best recruiter. You need that coach to be a good coach first and foremost, and I think Glenn Ellerby has shown enough so far that I, I, I think his on-field coaching ability is, is very good, and I think he's done a good job. They, they do need to get some high-level high guys in there to, to let him work with that type of guy that he really hasn't had a chance to work with before. He's never really had a five-star to coach uh, aside from taking over Cade Mays. But I think with what he's done, with what he's worked with in the past, I, th- I think he's he's a very good position coach, and I'm I'm uh, I think you'll be hearing more about him in the coming years. I just think a lot of people don't have, haven't seen him in a big, you know, in, in a big opportunity, a big role before this because Missouri was the biggest place he'd been before Tennessee. My answer would have been almost verbatim what Pat's was if I had been the first one to be able to answer it, but I, I was not, so I will. Uh, because I think Golish is plays a much bigger role in that offense. People that just assume because of Typel, it's it's all him, and and I I think that's a lot of that offense is Golish. And look at the numbers they've they've done together; it's impressive. But if I can't say him, I will go one extension down, and I'll say Joey Halsley because I would say look at Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech and look at Hendon Hooker at Tennessee and tell me that's Good the pick. same player. Um, Agree. And you could say the same about, well, what happened about Joe Milton? Well, Joe Milton got there six months after Hendon Hooker did, so he had six months longer to work with Hooker. And look what we saw. And if there's another version of, of Milton at some point, Tennessee fancy, maybe it will look as dra- dramastic, dramatically. Well, did I just really say the word dramatically? I 100% <laughs> You just did. God bless. I was going to let it slide, but I, I was like, maybe, maybe Joe Milton. I mean, we'll find out long term. But who's to say anybody can fix him? I mean, we, even if he, you know, improves a little bit, um, it, maybe he's just going to be the guy we saw last year that overthrows people all the time. And if that's if that's the case, you know, I, I don't blame Joey Halsley for that. Even if he, even if that that plays out that way, so I, yeah, I'm with you though. I think with what Hendon Hooker did last year, and I also give him a ton of credit for what he did with Nico Iamaliava's recruitment. You know, obviously the the rumored NIL stuff and all that, you know, that that's, that's out there too. And I get it, but I think Halsley's done a great job in that recruitment and Tennessee's landed two highly ranked quarterbacks in back-to-back years. So I, yeah, I, I like that pick. That's a good one. Next question from uh Matals 14 Matals. I don't know. M a H T a L Z 14 on the board. Apologies that I don't know how to pronounce your, your username there. Uh, do you think this is the season Tennessee finally has another 1,000-yard rusher, and would anyone other than Jabari Small be able to do it? Uh, I'll go on a limb and say yes. I think Jabari Small can do it. Um, maybe I'm crazy. No, you're not. Uh, well, I mean, if you just go by the numbers, what did he finish with last season? He finished with 792 um, and 140 carries. So... Uh, and I mean, how many games did he not finish? I mean, he didn't play in two games. Yep. And he one of those games was Tennessee Tech, which is a, a game you would expect he could get a lot of yards in. The other was South Carolina. I think Tyon went over 100 in that in, in that game. So, um, and then there's games he didn't finish: Pitt, Kentucky. Um, you know, so I, I think it's it's doable. His shoulder, uh, his shoulder, his shoulder was con- was conked up all year too. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. Um, that's the big question with him. He's obviously taken steps uh, to be more durable. He feels more durable. He feels more confident. Last three games last season, he went 73, 103, and 180. Now, South Alabama, Vanderbilt, Purdue is not murderer's row in terms of rushing defenses. So, um, But if he's averaging, what does that average out to? Close to 100 a game? 
then it's that gets him in the ballpark. So I, I don't think it's a stretch, but I, I do think he can. Will he? Obviously, it depends on if he stays healthy. Can anybody else get to a thousand yards on the roster? I would go with no. I'll say this, and there aren't many years I've gone into saying Tennessee can't have a thousand yard rusher. So I think the answer is yes, he, he can. He's got to stay healthy. I think that's the that's the first key. It's hard to do it if you don't play twelve games. Um, and in this offense, as we know, they want to run the ball. But I will say this: I, if I if you ask me right now, do I predict he will rush for a thousand yards? I'll lean toward no, because at running back, that's just such a hard position to stay healthy for twelve games, even if you're dinged up for half game here, half game there, that still takes away from your workload. And if there's a little bit of a quirk to Josh Heupel's offense, just based on the stats we have to work with from his fairly short time as a head coach, it's that they seem to level out the distribution quite a bit between a few guys. And I wonder if we'll see that a little bit this year if Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, whoever, emerges as a pretty competent number two. You know, I I look back at 2019, I think they had four guys that rushed for 500 yards that year at UCF. So, like, they, they tend to even out the workload wherever possible, and maybe injuries played into that. I, I don't know for sure offhand, but uh, that, that is something about Heupel's offenses in the past that is, has kind of been quirky. They really haven't produced a lot of 1,000-yard rushers, and I wonder if that's a trend or just sort of a fluke. I think that uh, Jabari Small, if he stays healthy, will rush for 1,000 yards this year. Uh, I, 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 I'm a believer in what that kid looks like. Uh, I'm a believer in everything that I've heard about him. The question is just can he stay healthy because this offense is going to produce numbers. Now, now to Brian's point, it could be three, 600 or 700-yard rushers. It, it, it could be we, – we don't, we don't know exactly how that would shake out because there's different ways of doing it. But I think they sort of would like to have a 1,000-yard rusher if possible. I, I don't know. I just kind of think that. So I, I think it, it would probably – be small if it were anyone, and could anyone else on the on this roster do it? I'm not convinced they couldn't. Um, at some point, I mean, when you look at what Jalen Wright looked like last year, and just the the explosiveness that he had last camp, and then he kind of got that foot injury, and then we just never really got to even when he came back. You know, you're, you're dealing with the freshman wall at that point. You're dealing with some other stuff. He physically looks really, really good right now. I know he's got a hurt quad. Um, but he just the way that kid looks and as fast as I know he is and the strength that he's added, I, I would not put that past him. And then with the freshmen, we don't know. We need to see a little bit more from them before we make a guess I, I, there. I, I, think, I don't think – if Small went down for the season, I, I think it would be a complete committee backfield, and I don't think there would be a 1,000-yard rusher. So I'm going to say no, that no one else can if Small can't. And, and that's usually a safe pick with you the hear, starter. Did you, right right, but... you hear that, Jalen Wright? Ryan Callahan <laughs> thinks you suck. Right. Ryan made no. a good point. Ryan made a good point about UCF distributing carries, but they uh, they did have a one thousand yard rusher in twenty eighteen. Okay, Greg there you McCray, go. So, Greg, Mc, Greg McCray ran for eleven eighty two in thirteen games. Um, there that, you go. that team rushed for thirty five hundred yards that season. By the yeah, way, someone had Ooh. to get a thousand yards if you if you got that many yards. <laughs> they had they had their top three backs went eleven eighty two, seven fifteen, four seventy. Average yards per carry went eight point nine, four point nine, six point six. I'll say this: that this is the other reason I'm I'm not sure Small gets to a thousand, and it, and I, he'll get close. I think either way, I think because he's healthy all season, it'll be nine hundred or something. I'm sure at least. But the one one reason I'd be a little skeptical it depends on what he gets against the the Alabamas and the Georgias on the schedule. Because when you have Hendon Hooker putting up the numbers he might this year, just depending on how Tennessee scores, when you have a blowout. He's not going to be the one benefiting from, or there's a good chance he won't be benefiting from all the 
the the work you get kind of in garbage time. That that would be the freshman or, or Jalen Wright or someone else. So, uh, you know, he, he, there might be some games where he gets in there, ten carries, sixty yards, and he's out when Tennessee's thrown for four touchdowns in the first half. You know, that kind of thing. Here's a good question from our good friend Blake Digits. Blake one one three six seven there on the checkerboard, and this one could probably actually ha- have a relatively short answer. Uh, one breakout player each side of the ball. Uh, offense, I got to go Jalen Hyatt. I'm buying the hype there. Um, and defense, I will go maybe a little bit off the off the beaten path. Go Christian Charles. You took my guy. I like I like those picks. Uh, are we allowed to agree, or do we have to pick somebody else? Um, because Hyatt was my pick. I mean, um, there, there's no rule here. I, I'm not I'm not really <laughs> buying anyone else on Tennessee's offense as a breakout candidate like i think there will be some other guys who put up solid numbers but no one else that would really fit the breakout category so i think i think hyatt is the kind of the natural pick and so i'm going the boring route on defense out i guess it depends on your definition of a breakout you know don't some you pick byron young don't you no, do it. Not, well I was, I was just gonna make the point that nationally some people would consider byron i'm not going that down that road don't you put that evil on that. us ricky bobby uh, so somebody would would consider that, or some people might consider that going from six sacks to ten or whatever he had last year to to ten or twelve. You know that that might qualify as a breakout for some people. But I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll say Kamal Haddon. I, I think this is his time at, at cornerback. I think Tennessee needs him to be good. I think he's going to have every opportunity to to have a good year. I'll, I'll be pretty surprised if he doesn't play relatively well and and, and maybe be Tennessee's. I'd say their best cornerback, if I had to guess right now, just based on what we've heard and what Tennessee wants him to be. I think he's 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 cornerback one in my mind until further notice. I will go with names that have not been said yet because I think some variety would be nice. Uh, I, I I just am, am, it's going to be a continuation of what I was just saying. I think if he's healthy, Jalen Wright could have a nice season for Tennessee. I I just I like. You know, I like the look of the player. I think that's a guy who just looks physically like if he gets healthy, that that's a guy who's gonna gonna do some things. And then I'm gonna go based off his numbers last year and how much better I think they could be. I'm gonna go Tyler Barron on defense. I, I think that, I mean, the that's guy the guy had what? I mean, the guy had what four sacks last year or something like that. I mean, not not many. Correct. And so I think he's gonna get a few more than that. I think Byron Young's gonna command a lot of attention on the other side. Uh, and then I think at that point, a guy like Tyler Barron can go out there and uh, and surprise some people. That would be my pick. Uh, and I'm not like just that saying one. that. I'm not just saying that because he went to the greatest high school in the history of the world. I'm saying it because it's what for I happen year. to believe. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still, still Irish for life, Ryan. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Next question. We'll go to B. Clion twenty one. Is it true that Tennessee's offense is actually going faster, even with the tempo being so fast last season? We don't know. We don't get to see any of the tempo in practice. Um, they say they are going faster. You would think they are with eight starters back and uh, all of these guys having played a full season and lived a full, I guess it would be almost two years now in the system. Uh, you would think that they could go faster. They went pretty fast last season. Um, but I think they can go faster just by uh, more first downs. That's when they go fast, right? That's, yeah. You know, the first first down of the drive is the key because that's when they they really sort of crank it up. So, um, and, and they crank it up when they have successful plays too. If they're, you know, if you have a one a one yard run on first down and second and nine, then you're you're and if you're in third and seven, you're going to be more likely to do a check with me, see what the defense yep. does, make a play call off that. So, the uh, Wes also I don't know, but I've I've always read his screen name as BC Lion. I could be wrong, but I ooh. 
Well, then he needs to capitalize the C. I, I could be wrong too. I got is that, a, is, that a, is that a is that a CFL reference? It looks like it looks like Buckleyan. Yeah, now he needs to clarify for us. Now, um, I, I will say this: the uh, the better question to me will be how much gnashing of teeth, wringing of hands will there be among Tennessee fans if that offense is faster? Wondering about how much they're going to hang the defense out to dry. Because, man, if they go faster, uh, you're, you're, you're going to have another game where Tennessee has the ball for 14 minutes or something. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? Gonna... That doesn't bother me because you play to the strengths of your team, and this offense, until proven otherwise, is the strength of this team. And if you, oh, think, I, yeah. if you think you can outscore somebody and that's your best chance to win, by God, keep it on the accelerator. I, I'm not disagreeing. I just we, we heard that a lot last year, and I think the more Tennessee does it, <laughs> I think fans, I, I think fans who, who want to see Tennessee play better defense and keep, keep opponents from scoring 40, uh, it's it's going to drive them nuts uh, for for a while probably until they really get used to it. But that's that that's something that we heard a lot last year. And I just wonder if they if they are going to go faster, it's going to lead to even more you know short possessions and, and even some three and outs that are really short. And that's uh, that's that's probably going to be frustrating. But I, I would say they'll they can go a little bit faster. But you know at the end of the at the end of the day, is it going to be a, a huge difference in terms of time of possession and, and the havoc it wreaks? I, I don't know for sure, but. You're probably talking about what a second faster per snap. But, you know, they, they could speed it up a little bit, but is the average fan going to notice a difference like that? Yeah, I think uh, starting quarterback returns for the five offensive linemen, uh, starters return, your number one receiver returns, your number one running back returns. Yes, uh, both tight ends who are seniors and are huge players in the in the offense and do so many things. They're they're both back. Short answer: Yes, they absolutely can go faster. Now, again, like Ryan said, you're talking about. I mean, what? it's like watching two Olympic sprinters run against each other. Like at the end of the day, they're both really, really fast, but technically speaking, one is faster than the other. So I would imagine that they could go faster. Uh, next question, Vol Ford life 94 said, how concerning is it to you that neither left tackle on offense has emerged as the starter? Yes. And no, is my answer to that. That's a very Ryan Callahan riding the fence answer, but yeah. I think uh, yes, because, because in an ideal world, one of, of Jeremiah Crawford or Gerald Mincy would have just blown it away in camp and been like, this is our franchise left tackle. He's our guy. Let's roll with him. Get some continuity, all that stuff. Uh, and no, because it's not really surprising that there hasn't been like, and, and with those guys having so limited experience, I, I would think you would almost want to get them in a game see how they respond under the lights and evaluate it from there. Because, uh, I mean, they can go up against Byron Young and Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison, you know, in spring and in the in camp. And uh, but it's just different when you got another guy on another team coming across that you got to block. So uh, yes and no, um, it would be my answer. I, I think there's probably some benefit to, like I said, getting them both some snaps against Ball State, see who grades out best, start that guy against Pitt. Um, that's that's generally how I would do it. That sounds like what they're going to do. I mean, Josh Heibel came out of his scrimmage on Sunday and said they're both going to play an opener. So uh, and it had been turning that way. We had been sort of saying that. So, um, that, yeah, yes and no. Uh, like I said, the ideal situation for any coaching staff is a guy just blows away in camp and, and their separation. You know he's your guy you know, really early and you can just sort of get him in there and roll. But that hasn't happened. And so Tennessee's got the, I guess, the maybe the next best alternative where they get to see who, who performs best in games where it really matters. Uh, I'll, how, how's this for fence riding? I, I think it's a pretty good concern. I, I think it is a, a – there's a decent level of concern. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Pat. Yeah. I'm not saying there's – this is not – I don't do drugs, Wes. <laughs> 
Not a five alarm fire. You can, you fans can, you can be put saying, it. You can, it doesn't have to be illegal for you to put it in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, you know, fans shouldn't be saying, "Oh no, we're we're in huge trouble. The left tackle situation is a disaster." But I do think, you know, to the to the point, we we kind of mentioned this in a in a previous podcast here during camp. If you have two left tackles, do you have one left tackle? You know, it's the same that you always say at quarterback when there's a timeshare. And I can't think of many cases where I've seen. A, a planned rotation at one position on the offensive line. And when it has happened, I can't think of many cases when it's really worked out that well. Um, that's not to say that neither of these guys can't be solid, but it just makes me think there, there's not an obvious path to one of these guys having a really good year. And that's what Tennessee needs to happen. They need someone to take over because the rest of that offensive line is full of veterans. They should be pretty good, at least uh, across that offensive line. You would think Darnell Wright getting back to his natural position. It's a good setup, but, this is why I think they were still looking in the transfer portal for you know Tyler Steen that ended up at Alabama or someone else that that might have emerged. They they want another option because I don't think they're completely sold on either of these guys, and that's that's concerning because that that I don't and I don't know that you get really much much clarity on that situation in the Ball State game. So you're talking about sending these guys into a game against Pitt that has a really good defensive front and really you know you, you might have the wrong guy out there uh, when when a guy makes uh, gets a great jump on a snap and it might lead to a turnover early uh, uh, because you, you don't give Hendon Hooker time to throw. So I, I think it's a concern for sure. I'm going to say it, it is a concern, but it's not any more of a concern to me than it was a month ago or two months ago or six months ago. It, it's it, I, I don't think anything short of an injury to one of those two players was going to lead to one of them being unquestionably the guy going into the year because neither one of them has played a lot. Uh, how much can one camp really, really tell you when, when you've got something especially as important as left tackle? I don't think anything short of an injury was going to cause that situation. So I, I think, yes, it is a concern, but it's not, to me, any more of a concern than it was six months ago. It's one of the only concerns uh, on that offense. Uh, next question uh, from uh, I Brinkley. No, wait, I Binkley. I Binkley, can I read right now? Yes. I guess that could be a lowercase L, so it could be L Binkley also. We need to figure this thing out, guys. We, we, need, to, we, need, some, we need some help on this. You, you need to make them really, really, really easy names. Uh, in what order would y'all put the running backs going into game one? Heard a lot of things about Samson. I'm curious if he's leapfrogged others since arriving on campus. We've, we've touched on this a lot. I would probably go small, Samson, Justin Williams, Thomas. And then if I'm Tennessee, I'm waiting until I'm up about 21, 28 points, maybe in the third quarter. I'd give a series or two to Jalen Wright just to get him some game wraps, honestly. But I agree with that, but I, I'd, or at least I'd, I'd work him in, but it'd be kind of gradually. But I think the for the big picture, the depth chart should be viewed as small, then Wright, then Sampson. I think that's the ultimate pecking order. But but yeah, Tennessee going into that season opener, you might see Sampson before Wright, or at least Sampson might handle a bigger workload in that game just because Wright is coming off a preseason. Uh, it looks like a preseason where he maybe doesn't get any con- full contact work. You know, we'll see how much he gets over the next two weeks, but. I think that's a there's a real chance they're they're taking it really easy with that quad. I think they're they're going to make sure he's healthy going into the season, and that might mean no contact. And beyond those two or three guys, I think I think you have who Williams Thomas ahead of Lin J Dixon at this point, just because he's been here for seven more months, and and Dixon's got an ankle injury right now. Yep, uh, I would probably say that uh, to me, if Jalen Wright's healthy and looks like he's good to go week one, um, I, I don't think you're as bothered by the fact that he didn't have as much camp time because he's a guy who's got a full year of playing college football under his belt. So I would go uh, with the same order, uh, I guess, that was that Ryan mentioned. So that's the one that I would go with right now. Uh, question, uh, last one we go before before we go to break here. 
Uh, question from Michael Lang. I guess it could be Micaia, uh, M-I-C-A-I-A-H, Micaia Lang or Micah. Is the I silent? I don't know. Do you think this receiving core will be good, as good, or better than last year's group or maybe regress? Uh, going into it, I think it could be tough to be better because uh, one guy was a third-round pick. Another guy is currently on an NFL roster. We'll see how, how long Javante Payton lasts in Arizona. Uh, and Cedric Tillman's probably, if he has another big season, maybe at worst a second, third-round pick. So um, that, that could be tough to replicate. Bayless was really good last season. Um, and and Jalen Hyatt and him are going to be playing the same position, but they're different players. So how they use those two guys will be interesting to me. Um, I think I would lean towards maybe a little bit, a little bit worse, but I think Cedric Tillman will still be really good. So I think maybe, maybe it's not that much worse. I, this is a really good question. I think a a pretty relevant one for this team. Uh, To me, it depends on how many guys they've, end up deciding they trust and decide to rotate because I obviously we saw after that Florida game last year, they cut the rotation down and really relied pretty heavily on those three starters the rest of the way. If Tennessee has a similar setup, I think there'll be that there might be some regression there because I, until, I mean, until we see more of Brew McCoy and until he's ruled eligible on top of that, which I'm sure we'll get to later um, based on glancing at the questions. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know for sure that Tennessee is going to have an upgrade there because they were they were really good with those top three receivers. I mean, Javante Payton was a a nice number three, I guess you could say, at that outside spot where he, he had a, a knack for scoring first quarter touchdowns and then kind of disappearing. But that, he was a very good contributor and had solid numbers at the end of the year. And Bayless Jones was great in the slot. I think Hyatt could duplicate Bayless Jones' production. I think that's a realistic goal, maybe. But I think the uh, and I think Cedric Tillman, you know, probably better than last year, and maybe for a full season of what he did last year, could put up even bigger numbers. But to me, it's the, it's about the depth. Um, I think numbers wise, they've got more guys this year who can help. But does anybody emerge as that third guy that they can for sure count on and, and put up those Javante Payton like numbers? I'm not sure. So I think that their their depth is better. One through three or one through four, are they as good? I would I would lean toward no. Uh, this uh, my answer to this kind of bleeds into what was going to be the next question anyway, which is uh, from from Steven seventy eight, which is uh, Brew McCoy update. I think the answer to one is the answer to the other. If Brew McCoy ends up being a pretty good player, then I think Tennessee's wide receivers will be just about what they were last season statistically, and and they'll be fine. If 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 McCoy uh, for whatever reason is not a, an incredibly productive player at Tennessee, uh, I think then all of a sudden it gets a little more problematic because some of the guys are younger some of the guys again I, I I'm a believer in Walker Merrill but you know how good is he ready to be right now I'm a believer in Caleb Webb how good is he ready to be right now I don't I don't really know that so it, it's it's tough to say for me the answer to one turns into the answer for the other so if Brew McCoy's good they're good so we'll leave it there for the first segment we got to get to a break we're overdue for one we got to step away way overdue for a break we're going to step away for a second pay some bills listen to product services uh, in-house ads, et cetera. And then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football, we got a mailbag edition here of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, and we're going to get right back to that after uh, I, I make one one quick request. Uh, if y'all could go in there right now, take about a minute out of your day, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops. Go in and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That would be awesome. We would appreciate that a lot. Uh, if you're just listening on the website right there through the stream, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, what helps us out the most is if you go in there, and we're everywhere, right? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, everywhere, Every single place you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. Uh, It's a labor of love. There's no complaints from our end. Uh, But the one thing we ask in return, I don't think it's too much to ask, to be frank, uh, is to go in there, rate, review, and subscribe, uh, and tell your friends. That good old-fashioned way works, too. So if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, uh... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So there's the new thing. The long unveiled new thing. There it is. It's 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 uh that it's the it's the placeholder for now. That's what we're gonna go with. There's been a, a bit of a, a hullabaloo lately about the uh, the uh, the previous kind of intro thing that we had. So we're gonna try this one out. Might mix it up. We'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes. We'll take it for a test drive. Take it around the block. See how it goes. Right back to the questions here. Ooh, what a fun one to start with with the with the second segment. From Ewok Stole My Wife, what kind of bear is best? Well, did we skip over the Brew McCoy update? Because we, no, we, I, you I, sort of, I, I bled that one into the last one. The update is sort of there is no update. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we don't know an answer, basically. And and, and the longer it goes, the more you worry. So it's uh, it's is it going to become a real concern for his week one availability? I mean, at this point, can't rule it out. Uh, I have a question here from Wes Rucker. It's called, is Wes still the person who's deciding which questions that we're we're answering? Uh, Wes is the one asking the questions from the board, so it looks like that's the case. <laughs> Go on, man. I'm just kidding. Go on. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, bear, Ryan. What kind of bear is best? Ryan has not seen The Office, so he does not get this reference. Therefore, he is ineligible to answer this question. Go ahead. Pat, the floor is yours. It's brown bear, right? Uh, I- I'm going to go with the, uh, uh, the, the cave bear. It's the second largest bear that's ever existed. It's extinct now, but man, that was a beastly looking beast. No, grizzly, grizzly bears are best, especially the ones that play basketball in Memphis. There you go. Polar, polar bears are pretty good. There you go. And then, then Pat said Ryan couldn't answer. And then Ryan answered anyway. We have a developing situation. I want to say something that I would say in in, in our text thread that I I can't say on this podcast. You you can say it, man. I I got, I I can censor it. Go right ahead. Uh, Move along. Next question, also from Ewok Stole My Wife, which is still just a really funny name that I'm, I laugh every time I see it. How perfect of a storm was NIL, one-time transfer rule, no signing limit, Nico Iamaliava's commitment, and Heupel's style uh, in, in speeding up the rebuild at Tennessee? That's a there, there's some some logic to that. I, I don't I don't know if it uh, if all of those things have, have played equal roles in, in Tennessee having the good year that it has uh, so far, but it's. It's definitely helped Tennessee, and, and I, I, I'm standing by what I said five or six months ago uh, in, in multiple places. Uh, I, I think the I think NIL is 
is going to be a little bit of an equalizer in recruiting. It's not going to completely level the playing field. The haves are still going to be the haves. Um, and the schools that, that don't have the same resources are definitely going to be the have-nots. But among the top programs that have resources, have, have passionate fan bases, and, and have fans with a lot of money, it's going to give every school uh, a chance to be competitive that, that fits that description. So I think, I think it's a good time for Tennessee, uh, frankly, to, to have that, that in its corner because that's one thing Tennessee has never lacked is, is resources. And now instead of pouring money into facilities and hoping it helps you in recruiting, now you can have much more of a direct impact on, on Tennessee's recruiting, and it's, I think it's paying off so far. I think NIL came around at the perfect time for Tennessee. That's my short answer because what was, in, who was, what, what was NIL always going to help out the most? It was going to help out programs who have the ways and means to be successful but were not being successful at that moment. So Tennessee very firmly in that group. Texas is another one. Look at the way Texas is recruiting, right? Miami was another one. Look at the way Miami is recruiting right now. Look at those schools. That Those would be the ones who would be able to use NIL in order to speed up the process. He had another good question. He walks to my wife, but I guarantee you I, I probably know the answer to this. He said, any of you guys comic book fans, I would imagine I might be the only one of us who is. Am I wrong, am I wrong about that? Oh, next. You're not wrong. There you go. Uh, and, and if you want to talk about him sometime, I'd love to, man. I, I no, I'm, we don't. Football I'm talking podcast, to him. I'm talking. I'm talking to him, not to you. <laughs> that's, what, that's what PMs are for, Wes. <laughs> exactly, PM and fine, <laughs> fine. Last one. You guys are the worst. Ewok stole my wife. Last one. He's got uh, Alex Golish, favorite hire. Of He's, he has surpassed his allowable question quota. No, we have Move one. On. No, there's one per post, which is allowed, uh, and it's a quick one. Uh, Alex Golish, favorite hire, done nothing to disappoint, seems to be the uh, best potential head coaching assistant candidate since Justin Wilcox. How good a head coach candidate is he? And we can answer that quickly because we've already discussed it. I think he will be a head coach in the next few years. I, I think Tim Banks is just as strong of a head coaching candidate because I, I think he, he is he is in some ways surpassed expectations. I think Golish might have, and I'll be really interested in seeing this, does he have a problem separating his reputation from Josh Heupel's? In other words, does Josh Heupel get the credit for the for the offensive success and Alex Golish not so much? And does Alex Golish have to have to go somewhere else before he gets noticed enough to be a head coach somewhere? I don't know, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I think it, it's at least a concern that I wonder how that's going to play out. Uh, here, here's one that I believe uh, Ryan could best answer. and might be the only one who needs to answer it. Most likely, this is from uh, BGO Snell 151, said most likely a recruit Tennessee could flip on the recruiting trail. Uh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I, especially right now. All right, so I, I've said this like pick, five pick times. Pick Francis, why, Ryan. Pick Francis. Oh, yeah, man. Francis Malignola, yeah. Ryan's calling it right now. <laughs> He's some, nailing it. Put it out there the, for the world. Give the people just, what they want, Ryan. I, I set Twitter on fire with that one. No, uh, I, I'll say this. I, I've said this a few times. I mean, the, the real answer is quite possibly somebody's somebody Tennessee's not even recruiting right now or somebody they haven't offered because a year ago at this time, Tennessee hadn't offered Caleb Webb. They hadn't offered Justin Williams-Thomas. They, they ended up flipping or, or getting both of those guys, and they were previously committed to other schools. So uh, I, I think the real answer is probably someone like that. But – uh, if you're asking me to pick someone right now that Tennessee's got the best chance of flipping, just because of the, the odds of the situation maybe going a little haywire, and I'm not saying this is a great chance, but it's at least a realistic possibility a guy Tennessee will keep recruiting probably, I'll say Lucas Simmons. He's committed to Florida State. Florida State has a bad season and, and fires, fires Mike Norvell. 
anything can happen. So uh, I, I don't think that one's likely, but you never know. And that's at least a situation that could go sideways and, and give Tennessee a chance. So I'll say Lucas Simmons. Uh, another question from BGO Snow that I will uh, that I will uh, shrink down a little bit so we can get to it probably quicker. Uh, he asked for the top three SEC uniforms and stadiums from each one of us. I'm going to narrow that down and say, uh, give me each of us, give me your top, give us your top two, and and Tennessee can't be one of them. So the top two, your your favorite two SEC stadiums and uniforms that are not Tennessee's. No, uh, my top my top three favorite SEC uniforms are Tennessee's home uniforms, Tennessee's road uniforms, and the dark mode jerseys. There you, there go. you go. I'm going full Homer. There you go. Uh, there's there's Pat's answer. Top three stadiums, um, I'll go Neyland. Uh, I really like Sanford Stadium, mostly because the press box location and it's open air. Um, and then I might go Kyle Field because it was really impressive when we were there. Um, I guess it would have been six years ago now, yeah. 2016. Mm-hmm. Very nice stadium. Ryan? Yeah, I have to – are we are we just combining everything or are we picking this based on amenities? Just pick them fast, Ryan. Well, amenities or, amenities or environment, which, which well, are we yeah, basing what, this Yeah, what about the frills? frills Tell us about Ryan. the frills. Pick Tell the us frills. about the frills. Are, are, if, we're, if we're just taking the total package, that's that, that would affect my answer a little bit. So I'll go with top stadiums. Uh, I, I would put Neyland in there for sure. I don't know, if, I don't know how, how I'd rank these, but Neyland and I – I might be among the only people that travel there every other year uh, in the Tennessee media core and fan base that loves going to Florida. I think the Swamp is a fun place to watch a game. And I would go with – I'm torn between Kyle Field and LSU. I'll go with Kyle Field as well because that was a that was a different trip, only been there once, and that was a really nice stadium. Um, favorite uniforms, uh, Ole Miss, the powder blue is fantastic, um, or whatever you want to call that lighter blue. Um, Vanderbilt's home uniforms are usually hard to screw up. Uh, they change them a lot, but I, I think those, you know, black and gold are, are pretty strong colors. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of tradition. So I, I will say if I'm not, you know, if Tennessee's off the table, I, I'd go with Alabama's home uniform. I think it's a classic for a reason. Uh, I will go for favorite stadiums. I will go, um, in terms of just being at the stadium and the, the atmosphere and, and, and just being there for a game, uh, I think probably Tiger Stadium uh, up there for me near the top. Um, and I think Tiger Stadium and Neyland both give you a, just a really awesome kind of imposing environment for people to play in. They would be up there. And then Kyle Field is just so physically large. I mean, it's just the imprint of that stadium is, is enormous. And there's some neat things there. And I, I might – have a different answer years down the road when it's not a novelty anymore that it's in the SEC. But right now, um, I, that that's what I would say. And then for uniforms, I uh, really hate agreeing with Ryan, but I think Ole Miss's uh, powder blues are some of the best uniforms I've ever seen uh, on a football team. They are fantastic. Uh, I've always been a, a huge fan of Auburn's away uniforms. I think they're some of the best in college football. I don't know if it's just the color combo or what it is. It's just a, just a good look. Uh, I, I would say that one. Uh, and then probably hmm, that's a good question. Pat, Hurry up, Wes. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go slower now that you're being this way. Uh, I would say probably. I'm just going to leave. Fine. <laughs> fine, leave. Uh, I got stuff to do. Fine. I, I I do think Tennessee's uniforms are up there, so I'll I'll. Them up there. I think I think they're really good uniforms. Uh, the classic home orange with white pants is great. Uh, do, 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 do. Actually, I would say the white orange, the white tops with the orange pants are the best. Move it along. You are just rude right now. 
here's a good question that we can actually probably be pretty short with our answers on this. Middle Tennessee Vol 34, any of you guys true Tennessee fans? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time we got asked a question like this one. I'll, I'll go. There are fundamentally two different ways to approach this situation. There is the school that if you are a passionate uh, fan of a team, you will care more than anybody else will care, so you will be the best reporter that you possibly can be. I do not believe that. I believe in the second option, which is that if you remain as neutral as you possibly can, you are doing the best job possible to give information to fans. What they need, what they don't need to hear, what's important, what may not be as important. If you are emotionally involved with something or with someone, it makes it really hard to be honest about what things are. And the way that I was taught, and it's just the way that I still believe, you are doing your best job. Now, are there people that we like and people that we don't like? Yes, we are human beings. There are people who are awesome and people who suck. And whatever color uniform they're wearing doesn't change that. Some of them rat Tennessee. So yes, you're like you're happy when those people do well. But I don't think you're doing a service to fans if you are reporting something unobjectively. I just I think you have to separate yourself. I agree. My, my, short, an, my short answer on this is uh, it's generally more pleasant around here when Tennessee does well. Yes. Um, now, the, the caveat to that is when Tennessee does poorly, it's a coaching search, which is always good for business, but it sucks for just about everything else. Life. Um, sucks for life. Uh, but for me, on a really personal, selfish level, it's work. Like, I want the game to get done fast so I could get my work done and go home and do other things other than work. That's the most simple answer. Wes, you touched on the emotional aspect of it. It's hard to get emotional and, and if you're mad or happy or, or whatever about how Tennessee's doing because, like, I have to have stuff, like, read for you guys to, to read at the end of the game. And then I got to we gotta go to the press conference and we got to talk about it. We got to do podcasts. There's There's really no time on a Saturday to get – to be emotionally invested in what's going on because you have to, you know, CBS and 24 seven pay me to, to give my thoughts and takeaways and analysis and, and report on, on what happened. So yes, uh, there's no it, time it, for it, it, crying in the spilled milk if the Tennessee loses or to be having some beers if Tennessee wins. If I'm too close to a Tennessee coach or player and it obscures what I'm able to do with my job, I'm not giving you fans information that you need. On the flip side of that, if I just completely hate someone and and it clouds my work, then I'm also not being honest with you, the fan, and I'm not giving you the information uh, for you to have for you to then take and do what you want to do with it. So that's I'm, I'm not I'm not saying people who disagree with that are wrong. I do believe they are, but I'm not I can't objectively say they are. I just I, I don't believe in journalism being done that way. In this day and age, it's much more acceptable than when we were in college. I think for people to be fans of the teams they cover, it just you see it a lot more these days. Um, I just, I guess I'm kind of just old school. I guess a little like Wes on on this, where I it wasn't how I was trained to do the job, so it's not how I do the job. And I'll give you two specific examples of why it's. I think it's important to do your job that way. We get all the time, you know, end of Butch Jones's tenure when all the fans wanted us to grill him every Monday in his press conference. Why aren't you asking the hard questions? Because the, the, the questions that need to be asked are usually much more fair than fans want them to be. And so yeah. that's where if we are an angry fan, why are you fan, the world's most losses, insufferable jackass? Would that be a question? 
that that would be one that uh yeah an angry fan might ask that uh that media probably wouldn't and then on the flip side sometimes when things are going well you need to point out concerns that are going to show up later in games you might lose and if you're a fan on cloud nine over the win you might not look at things that way so i think you, you cover a team much better when you have a, a professional viewpoint that is not uh colored by you know fan bias right. and fans fans don't understand the job they never they never have they don't never understand our, our viewpoint never have and never will and that's how i always kind of explain it uh question we can go quickly here we we do have to go quicker now question from loud noises uh says tennessee obviously kicked the tires by offering a jury on dickey a couple years ago any word on how aggressively the staff is or is not trying there uh that wasn't a couple years ago a couple weeks ago i think <laughs> but um, oh did i misread that <laughs> god bless i did it's a few weeks ago <laughs> Woo. But uh, but yeah, I mean Tennessee's trying there. I, I don't I don't know that much has come of it yet. Uh, you know he visited Miami. I think there. You know if he were to flip anywhere else, it, it could be somewhere like that. Maybe I haven't heard any talk yet of him visiting Tennessee. But hey, we'll see if anything more comes of it this fall. But right now, I would not put him as a strong flip candidate for for Tennessee. At least certainly not until he visits. Uh, question from P School nineteen. One current freshman you think everyone's talking about by the end of the season? Um, I I think uh, I. I I mean, it's hard not to go with Dylan Sampson right now just because I think he's going to have a huge opportunity, and I think his speed will allow him to make some plays. I'm going to go on a limb and go Josh Josephs. Hmm. I, I like was, it. I was going to go Dylan Sampson, so now, I mean, I think I have to stick with that one. That's the one that I, I that, really think people will be talking about by the end of the season. There aren't a ton on this team, I'll say. that. I mean, I think there are some guys who are going to contribute, but guys who are going to play big roles or look like they're destined for stardom in the future, I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of that this year. Uh, we also we actually kind of already answered this question for BGO Snell says the role of freshman running backs increasing on a daily basis. Um, in, in some cases, yes, it is. We've already answered that one, so we can move on from that one. Uh, question: Loud noises. Will Brian Harson, uh, with Harson being the only coach truly on the hot seat, this seems to be a, a stable year for SEC coaching staffs, one of the more in some time. But we know things change in a hurry around here. Who has the best chance of joining the hot seat club by the end of this season? Jimbo when A and M goes eight and four again. Ooh, I'll could, say. Could, could they? Would they want to pay that money though? I mean, they have it. Uh, they, they have it, but. But yeah, they're paying to win national titles, not go eight and four. That's I'm I'm skeptical of that one. I, I'll say uh, I'm I'll skeptical say, of you. That's fair. Uh, I'll say Clark Lee. Um, oh, I, I think come on. Vanderbilt's going to be patient, but if they're two and ten, are they really going to be that excited after year two? <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be two and ten, so they're going to have to be. I don't know. I mean, uh, ma- ma- what happens if uh, if if Mark Stoops tries to fight John Calipari? <laughs> well, I was going to say change the, things. I was going to say the most likely other job to possibly open, not because of a firing, but it could be. You know, maybe, maybe there, there's at least some smoke out there that you know Mark Stoops eventually ends up at Iowa. You know, I don't know if that happens this year, next year, whatever, but. Could those rumors pick up if this year continues to get weird with him and Cal? Maybe. Because he's like, I'm already almost as cold as a human being could be. How could I make it colder? I know. Let's go to Iowa. Yeah. Uh, question, Central Vol 615. How do you like your steaks cooked? I'm a medium rare guy. Medium. Uh, it's none of your business how I want my steaks cooked. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That is so on brand. It hurts. Uh, question from James Govals. Uh, why did Barron have trouble, Tyler Barron, have trouble buying in last year? Uh, I, I'll attribute it to a new staff, not the one he came to here to play for, and probably just immaturity. Sometimes, yeah, guys, need to grow, sometimes guys need to grow up. 
immaturity, uh, adjusting to, yeah, to a different staff style and, uh, and injuries may have contributed to it too. He, I mean, things just I, boil I to the surface. Too. Things boil to the surface and become more frustrating when you're, when you can't get over an injury and he had a nagging one that affected him for a lot of the year. My short answer would be that he probably, uh, he expected to have a lot more success than he did, and when he didn't, I think it's natural to start looking for excuses for things like that, um, whether it's, you know, I don't know about this defense, I don't know about this staff. Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to look in the mirror, and, and I don't know if, if he's done that. We'll see, but, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you just got to kind of start by looking in the mirror would be a, what I would say. A uh, question from uh, Philosophized said, Odds Tennessee lands J.P. Estrella. That's the uh, – Why did you let a basketball question into this football podcast? Uh, because it was asked, and I'm, I'm being polite here. Uh, I think Tennessee likes where it is uh, with that big man. And I don't know if it's done or anything like that. I mean, obviously, there's he's got a final three, but I, I think Tennessee likes the position that it's in uh, would, would be what I would say. Uh, question, uh, Central Vol 615, favorite theme park? I haven't really uh, been to enough to be in, to be a connoisseur of these, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, and Patrick, you got you got one. I've, I mean, I've been to mostly like yeah. Six Flags and stuff in the past. Yeah, I really I really love my wife. So I'm gonna say Disney World for her. Uh, mine answer probably would be different now because um, just know, don't say Dollywood, please. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna say Dollywood or, or Kennywood up there in uh, up there in the, P- the Pittsburgh area. There's actually a Kennywood. I don't know if you know that, but it's actually a real thing. Or I was, don't a real thing. Yes. Um, I, I used to would have probably told you Bush Gardens because I love roller coasters and they had fun ones. And so for me, that's what it would be all about. But ever, honestly, ever since the stroke, I can't do, uh, roller coasters anymore. They don't want their brainstem to be, to be rattled anymore. Apparently, uh, imminent death is a possibility there. So I try to avoid that. Um, so now my answer might be totally different. So, uh, I don't know. I would probably say universal cause there's other stuff to do there. That would be my guess. Uh, James Goval said... Ooh, ooh, hey, this is a good one. This one's for Ryan. I was reading an article the other day about a prison guard falling in love with a prisoner. Ryan, have you ever fallen for a recruit in a similar way? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. This, is, this, is this searching for a, a uh, well, oh, the Je- uh, Jesse Scroggins um, love letter oh, type situation? Ooh, um, oldie but a goodie. Um, no, I can't say anything like that, uh, has ever <laughs> been a concern for me, but, uh, I mean, naturally you develop good relationships with, with, with some players and, and their families and coaches and people close to them. So, uh, that, that happens, but, uh, yeah, no, nothing quite like that. No, it, I'll be honest. It was hard covering, uh, Wayne Chisholm to not just completely love the dude, uh, on a daily basis. Just, he's just was so fun to be around all the time. And, um, just had the like the innocent heart of like a three-year-old all the time <laughs> and it was just it was so hard to uh and i would say the same in a different way about conzo martin because of how good of a human being i've always thought he is but you gotta do you gotta do your job at the end of the day uh question here of uh, vols fan uh one one oh four bigger shock a win at lsu or a loss at south carolina i, I looked at this i looked at this question earlier and i thought it was a really good question so shout out to boss fan 1104 i've kind of gone back and forth on it and i'm gonna go with uh losing to south carolina because i just don't think south carolina's gonna be very good and i don't think shane Beamer's. i think he's a lot of smoke and mirrors and i think they ran into a couple of disinterested slash free-falling teams last season with auburn and florida that sort of made them 
look a heck of a lot better than, than they did. I mean, there's some strong gym teacher vibes there. Yeah. And, and I'm also, I'm not buying the Spencer Rattler hype. I know he was good at Oklahoma in 2020, but um, he, he really struggled at the start of last season. Uh, and I just don't, you know, they kept the same offensive coordinator that a lot of fans over there seem to want fired. So uh, obviously winning at LSU, I think would be a surprise. If I was picking, I would probably, that would probably not be a game I have Tennessee winning at this point. Um, but I think LSU has some like real question marks, like with, with Miles Brennan that coming out this week that he's not going to be the guy, you know, I, I don't, am I a big believer in Jaden Daniels? I don't know. Um, I think they have some questions on the offensive line. They obviously have a lot of talent because LSU always has a lot of talent. Is that game going to be a night game? Uh, a lot of factors go into that. And, and Tennessee's played a lot of close games in South Carolina. I think even like the past five or six trips over Columbia have all gone down to the wire. So, um, but I just think, I have some questions about LSU, and I just don't think South Carolina is going to be very good. So I'll, I'll say today, my answer to that question is the bigger shock would be losing to South Carolina. I, I like South Carolina this year a little bit more than Patrick does. Not saying they're going to be awesome, but I think they're at least a thorn in the side for a lot of teams. And I'm higher on Spencer Rattler personally because even when he quote-unquote struggled last year, he put up some decent numbers when you look back at him early last season that you know it was, yeah, it was, was not great. There was an inflating – he threw like five touchdowns against Western Carolina that inflated some of those numbers. I'll say this, though. South Carolina added a, a handful of guys in the portal, not just Spencer Rattler, that could make them better. So I, I like what they did this offseason. I, I think they'll be at least a tougher out than people are expecting. I think the answer is twofold. To the fans, South, losing to South Carolina would be the bigger shock. To me, and I could be wrong about this, I think ESPN's FPI has Tennessee having a better chance of losing to South Carolina than it does Tennessee winning at LSU. I would lean a little more toward winning at LSU, but I think it's really close, so it's a very good question. I'm going to say LSU because, and I'm not discounting South Carolina. I, I'm also not completely sold on Beamer yet, but I do believe that Tennessee absolutely embarrassed South Carolina last season. Now they're going to go to their yard and play them. Uh, I, I think there's always, you know, it's, it's SEC, man. It, it can be, it can, it can snap up and get you. If you're not ready to go, strapped up and ready to go to a place like South Carolina, you know, they, they can put one on you there just with the, the crowd and the impact if you're not ready to go. So I, I would say, uh, say what you will about Brian Kelly, but you can't say that he's a bad football coach. Dude's always been a good football coach, always will be. Uh, he took over a tough situation in some ways, but he's also got LSU's talent in some ways. So I, the bigger surprise to me would be um, winning at uh, LSU, to be to be honest. A couple questions that we can combine into one, BGO Snell and Jay Bolt 10 uh, basically asked, is this a year that Tennessee you know, could finally end one of those streaks, Georgia, Bama, Florida? Florida very much so. I, I would put Georgia and Bama in, in, Georgia and, and Bama in its own category. Florida, yeah. yes. To the Georgia-Bama question, I say no. Uh, unless Bryce Young gets hurt, no. Uh, you're, maybe if Jameer Gibbs gets hurt, too. The I might take that. The question is, could it, can it happen? Of course it could. Anything could happen. Will it happen? No, probably not. No. Uh, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, no, no, no. Uh, and, and, and the Florida game is, I mean, I'm still in the camp of Tennessee just, like, kind of craps all over itself when it sees the Gator helmet. So, yep. prove me wrong, falls is how I'm sort of viewing that game, although I think uh, that Florida team, who knows what it's going to look like. They could be one and two going into that game, honestly, with, with games against Utah and Kentucky in the first three weeks. Just a few more, and then we will be out of here. Question from uh, Chicken Nuggets. Uh, is Haddon still in line to have a shot to start at corner with all the time he's missed? Short answer, yes. Yes. I think he's one of the favorites to start. Uh, question from, uh, let's see here. Can I read? 
LCW Sullivan UT eighty. KW Sullivan. God bless him. Maybe I need new glasses. How surprised? <laughs> well, this is obviously going to be more for Ryan. How surprised were you at the Matthew Jordan Matthews commitment and the overall class at cornerback? Has to be a surprise at the class. So he, he's giving an answer while asking a question. So he's leading. <laughs> I, I would say objection, Your Honor, leading the witness. But go ahead. <laughs> um, were we surprised Monday when it happened? No. Uh, if you saw our coverage um, that was that, that dropped when that happened, but um, big picture, you know, asked me a few weeks ago. I'm a little bit surprised Tennessee pulled it off because I, I did think Texas was going to be tough to beat there for a while, and Tennessee just kept hanging around, kept hanging around, and and pulled it off. So uh, credit to them. But that was that was uh, that was not a, a surprise to us on Monday. Uh, now I. Overall, yeah, that 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 cornerback class is really good. You know, it, I know it, on the surface, yeah, two three stars and a four star. Tennessee's done that before, but all three of those guys, six feet or taller, and can run, as we discussed in our breaking news podcast. That's a if Tennessee holds on to those guys, that's the best cornerback class Tennessee has signed in a number of years to me. Not the highest bar to clear there, though. They, the Tennessee's not a lot of their corners it, have been guys poached, have been guys you know developed from other positions and whatnot. Well, they've had some highly ranked guys like Tyler Bird and you know Marquill Osborne. They've had some of those classes, but just those guys sometimes have moved to other positions or not panned out. Uh, by the way, I did I, I saw him. Uh, Tyler Tyler Bird was in a, a, a Minshew's like workout video the other day that he was doing in the off season down there in Naples, and uh, one of the receivers he was throwing to in the off season was a uh, Naples own Tyler Bird was was working working out with him over the summer. Uh, we got two more questions. Uh, one of them has already been sort of answered in a smart aleck way by another one, so that's kind of hysterical to me. Uh, Nuga UT fan said, which of Heupel's assistants will be the first poached by another team? And Laval Reb said Cody Burns, uh, which is accurate. Um, but on top of that, um, what's the actual answer to what he actually, I think I think he meant the next of Heupel's assistants to be poached by another team? I don't, I don't know if it'll be a, a real poaching necessarily. I could see Jerry Mack going and being a head coach somewhere at the end of this year, given that he has been a head coach before. Uh, he has been an offensive coordinator before at a lower level. Um, he's head coach at, at North Carolina Central and, and did pretty well there in the MEAC. Uh, then went to Rice before he, he came to Tennessee to be a position coach. So I, I could see that happening. Um, but, to, yeah, I think we both mentioned or we have mentioned that both those coordinators um, are, are potential poach candidates and, and maybe got some looks and some, some interest yeah, last offseason as well. I think the way that Golish is not just – I mean, people are going to want a taste of whatever Tennessee's doing offensively because obviously it's a really good offense. But on top of that, the way that Golish, as a coordinator, is recruiting on top of that because it's not – I mean, one of the reasons Jeremy Pruitt became Tennessee's head football coach was he was a really, really good recruit, uh, really, really elite recruiter even when he was a coordinator, which is not easy to do. And Golish is starting to become a really, really darn good recruiter uh, also. So I, I would say that, that for me, uh, with all due respect to Banks, who I do think also could be a head coach in the near future, I would say Golish probably gets an opportunity first. I, I, yeah, I think it's one of those coordinators, and I, I'm not sure I could pick which one for sure. But I, I may, it, it could be Golish even leaving for another offensive coordinator job. Again, not not the craziest thought that he might have to separate himself from Josh Heupel before he can get the kind of head coaching job he wants. Uh, the last question, I forgot to mention this, it's actually on the top of the second page, uh, from Orange Asylum, said, Wes, did you ever get that uh, air conditioner in your car fixed? That's an old story. 
because uh, that was a running gag for years is that I was just, people started saying, when are you going to get your AC fixed in your car? So I just didn't because screw people. That's why I didn't do it. Um, screw but, people. <laughs> but now, like, you know, we have, like, a kid. So, yes, it, it is fixed <laughs> because we have, more, we, have, we have a child. So, yes. The, the more pertinent question is, did you fix that beeping smoke detector? Uh, have you heard? That's of, what the people. That's what the people need to know. Have you heard a beep during this uh, during this podcast? No, but you could have like just disconnected it and not really quote unquote fixed. There's it. A, we have a child in the house. I mean, come on, and a dog. It's a, uh, I hear a lot of denial there. Yes, it, the situation has been rectified. Both of them have <laughs> been. That would be my. That opinion. doesn't say it's fixed. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, but seriously, the last question here: someone, uh, it's. Uh, Wes Rucker wants to know why, uh, what, uh, why is Patrick being so hurtful throughout this episode? Because it's been going on for 71 minutes and 58 it, seconds. The mailbag ones always go longer. This is known. It's because we, we have so many great questions. Thank you, you to everyone who asked the question. You guys are awesome. Yes, thank you to everyone who asked these questions. Uh, we will do more of these as we promised we would. We will get back to doing more of them. I know y'all enjoy them. And someone also mentioned doing some more like live video stuff, like on a signing day or something. Uh, yes, I mean, it, it's difficult to throw something else on the plate because we're trying to be doing Twitter spaces and other things now, also on top of everything else. Um, but we, we, will, we will give it the old college try. Brian, do you not have anything else to add? You're not going to thank the people for no. the wonderful questions. Oh no, I definitely, yeah, I definitely want to thank. People Ryan for said the, your uh, question. What was it? Ryan said your question sucked. Tennessee is definitely getting what was it? Lucas Simmons and uh, Francis Malingoa and Jalen Wright <laughs> sucks. I think those were the things. Ryan, did we cover your 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 big talking points from this episode? No, all all I all, my only talking point was you didn't fix your smoke detector. Um, no, yeah. Thank everyone for the questions and uh, and for for having the patience to sit through uh, this as West blew through every wrap it up sign Patrick gave him. And uh, yeah, we look f- look forward to doing this again. Uh, hopefully, in the next few weeks. The easiest way to guarantee that I don't do something is to ask me to do it with any kind of attitude. If you do that, you're not gonna like the answer. You're not gonna like it, guys. Seriously though, thank you for your time. Thanks for being here, guys. And uh, and I guess I'll be talking to you. Um, you know probably in the next five seconds in a text thread. Thanks, Wes. Hi, Wes. And there's the button, and now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, go get that at govals247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, Basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums that run around the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists we've got somebody there we got people up at different hours of the day we got all kinds any time of day anytime you go there 
you're going to find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life, advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just You never know what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that seven-day that seven free trial, after that, you get us that, that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get GoVols 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done commercial free. Tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find like, you know, 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek, all kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies, old blockbuster franchises, you know, comedies, dramas, horror, everything, stuff for the kids. All of it, all of it, and stuff from the archives of, uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it, all of it, right there, something for the entire family, and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports, uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour, you get everything on there, and we, you get all of that, and our site, all of it, for just about a hundred bucks and change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you.